Hey, hey. Hey, how's it going? This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your hosts, Corinne and Sabrina. We're your ghostesses. <gasps> Whoa. Isn't that fun? Yeah, I like that a lot. We need a name, too, for the people who like ghost stories and paranormal activity. I know. I was like, ghosties. But that's super lame. Yeah, there's, like, no word for it. We'll figure it out. Maybe we should ask people in our Facebook group what they think. Oh, guess where I went last night? Where? I went back to Bitbar, which is where we went in Salem. Salem. That was the old Salem jailhouse. Yeah, I went there with a few of the other people in in my grad school program. Oh, my gosh, so fun. Drinks. Everyone's like, where where should we go? And I was like, "Uh, the old haunted jail. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) So that's where we went. So cool. Did you see any ghosts? No, we didn't, but I did see a couple that I think was on their first date, which is also scary. That's also my ghost dream to bother people on their first date. (laughs) Thought of you. (laughs) Uh, I do have a story for everyone. Ooh. Or two. They have nothing to do with ghosts, but they're just... Oh, okay. You did them to me. So... (laughs) Sorry. On Sunday, I go to check the mail, and I see this little envelope. (laughs) I have you have it with you? I have my props. <laughs> I see this envelope that has, um, it says, from Harry Potter, and it says, do not open <laughs> until Christmas. You didn't listen. No, I definitely did not. Well, I was freaking out. I was like, one, who the hell sent this to me? Two, Harry Potter. And everyone knows <laughs> I love Harry Potter like that. I think that's made... Very clear. I mention it at least once in the podcast. In every episode. <laughs> and I am not ashamed of it. It is it is warming my heart all the time. And to get a letter from him was a little overwhelming. I was almost brought to tears. Um, I Nick was Because Harry me. Potter is like your version of getting a letter from Santa. Oh, seriously. I still believe. So... I was with Nick, and I kind of started freaking out. I was like, is this from you? Like, what's going on? And I I open it, and it's a letter from Harry Potter dated December 25th, 1991. And it's kind of detailing what happens in the first book. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a little Harry Potter pin. And it says it's from a company called Bookified. So I started looking into the company. I seriously direct messaged them and asked... If I could figure out who sent it to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like, oh, God. <laughs> they didn't answer. So, uh, yeah, they can't. Because if you choose to be anonymous, that's the way it goes. Right. So then I send a picture to all of my friends or like girlfriend uh, group text. Yeah, asking, you sent it in our group chat. Asking who sent it to me. And people just laughed. No one answered. So then I go, this is so Corinne. And I send a picture to Corinne. I said, is this you? Did you send me a letter from Harry Potter? <laughs> I was surprised that you didn't figure it out right away because the the postmark says Boston. I know. Well, I thought it was you, but I was like, maybe Harry went to Boston. I don't know. I wanted to believe in the magic for a little bit. And I really did. I was, ne- I was nearly Well, it was years. magical. That's why I didn't respond in the group chat. I wanted you <laughs> to believe for like a little bit longer. I did. I cried. <laughs> I'm glad that you liked it. Thank you. It was fun to send. And I was like, I can't wait for her to be confused. 
But that's not the only thing you did to me this week. Maybe you did to everyone because you posted it on social yeah. media too. So if you follow us on social media, you saw this. But on Tuesday, I went to check the mail again. <laughs> and I see a postcard. And this time, it is very obviously from Corinne. But the message is in code. And <laughs> I I think I missed something. I was confused. I was like, is this something we do now? And... <laughs> It's like, did Corinne kill someone? Is she the Zodiac killer? Um, okay, well, I have I have to say, too, that I read an article the other day, because you and I both love true crime as well. So when we're not yes. talking about ghosts, we're talking often about true crime. And I read an article that was called Why You Should Take a Break from True Crime. And I read it, and I was like, I don't need a break from true crime. It's not affecting my life. And then I sent you this postcard that was in code, and then everyone was like, oh, my gosh, she is the new Zodiac killer. And I was like, maybe I should take a break. I didn't even realize that this was rubbing off on me. No, but no, I think it's just part of your makeup. I don't think you'll you'll ever escape. I'll never change. You'll never change. Um, But, yeah, so there's a code on this card, postcard, and for the longest time I could not figure it out. Because it's like a black square, an ambulance, a speedboat, a question mark, something that looks like a piece of pie, and another question mark. And I was like, is she sending me, like, is she going to the hospital and then taking a boat to me and then we're going to eat pie together? Like, I I don't know. <laughs> Corinne had to give me a clue. But I'll mm-hmm. let everyone else go look on it in social media and see if you can figure it out. A lot of people have. They have, yeah. Which I was surprised about. Well, actually, I was... I thought that you would get it immediately. Nope. I thought it was very obvious. But then my roommate, Casey, was like, there is no way that anyone will understand what you're doing. So I was like, oh, maybe my mind works differently. But then other people figured it out. So there are other people out there that like were like, ooh, let's go. Right. So everyone should go join our private Facebook group. Mm -hmm. You just request and you answer the two questions. Then you can go in and you can try to crack the code. I have a feeling this is not going to be the end of this. Definitely not. But speaking of our Facebook group, I was laughing the other day because one of the guys posted and he was like, am I the only guy in this page? And then all the other guys came out of the woodworks and were like, no, we're here too. It was amazing. Then, yeah, one of the guys was like, I'm a guy, but like, I can be a girl if you need me to be that too. <laughs> I was just dying. <laughs> it cracked me up. I know. I was so happy about that. They were like, well, if you want us to be girls to be in this group, we can be girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good to have good to have the men representing yeah. as well. Everyone loves ghosts. It's not it's not gender biased. Right, and neither are ghosts. Ghosts are come in all different forms, as we will learn on Wait. today's episode. Actually, this is a great segue because shadow people are not gender biased either. Nope. And that is our topic. Shadow people. By popular demand mm-hmm. and also our own interests and desires. Seriously, I I didn't know anything about them. Really? And I am, it, it's so fascinating. I mean, the yeah. only reason I knew stuff about them was because I've had two experiences. So creepy, lurking in the shadows. Should I jump right into um, what shadow people are? Yes, let's go into the definitions. Always we can rely on Sabrina for history. You know what's interesting? I used to hate history, but for some reason... Now it is my obsession. I've learned that if I do work and put the time in to do something, you already covered what I will have written and more. So it's just, I just, I gave up. You're the storyteller. 
I made a joke the other day that I was like, I feel like I'm running out of personal ghost stories. I might need a few more. And then I was like, wait, no, no, I'm not. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Please, no. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. Please stop. Oh, speaking of that, Dear yeah. David has an update. I know. Including photos. So we won't talk about it because we talk about him way too much, but you should just Bear go look at his Twitter. Days. There are more photos that he captured of yeah. Dear David. Staring at him on his bed, standing over him, looking at him. Yep. Creeping, lurking, much like the shadow people. In the shadows, watching you. You know what you'd be really great at? What? Is producing Halloween soundtracks. <gasps> 60 oh. minute creepy songs where you whisper shit and like make weird noises over the track. Oh my gosh, that is our next Halloween. That is our episode. We're just going to whisper weird creepy things. <laughs> We're not going to talk about anything. It's not going to make any sense. It's just going to be spooky sounds. Okay, I'm not not down, so we could probably make that happen. No, well, we are. We will. We will. Okay. Okay. Fine, fine. I agree with you. <laughs> okay. We've got one year to start figuring it I out. Oh, so soon. Can't wait for it. We should me. enlist Arms Akimbo, who did our intro music, yes. to help us out. Yes. So shadow people, guys, they're freaking terrifying, and mm-hmm. there seriously is no answer to what they are, and there are so many theories, and I'm really excited to talk about them, because some of them are, they're just the coolest things. I mean, I don't know if cool is the right word, maybe terrifying. Well, some of the theories are really cool, other than okay. others are really terrifying, but I'll get there. So... They're also known as shadow figures, shadow beings, or black mass. It's a perception of a patch of a shadow as a living human figure, as the presence of a spirit or entity. And the shadow people are described as shades of the underworld. They've existed for a really long time, and have they date back to very ancient religions and origins of other um, cultures. Mm-hmm. But they didn't become a popular topic in modernized belief until 2001 when Art Bell, who was the host of Coast to Coast AM, discussed the topic on air and asked uh, the audience members to send in any of their stories or experiences that sounded similar to what they were discussing as shadow people. And it turned out that way more people had had these experiences than anyone ever thought so it was like people were having these experiences and didn't know what to do with them or what they were had no frame of reference until this guy was talking about it on coast to coast am that's insane i didn't even know that i know but like also how amazing for the people that are listening to that who have been alone in this experience Mm -hmm. and to hear that and to be like okay i'm not alone and this is actually something that's happening Right. It almost makes it a little bit less scary. Yeah. Or it could be more scary because what you thought and could write off as just a weird shadow. and Or you your were, own delusions. Right. Mm. You are now validating and realizing, oh, no, it is this dark entity that's just, you know, trying to suck the energy out of me and kill me. So it seems like shadow people are often paired with feelings or experiences of sleep paralysis. Like a lot of the feelings sounded similar to sleep paralysis. So they appear as dark silhouettes with human shapes and profiles that flicker in and out of peripheral vision. Some people claim that the figure has jumped on their chest and tried to choke them, which reminded me of the picture you you posted on Instagram of the old, the old hag, hag syndrome. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So they're believed to be negative beings or entities, but something, some people believe that they are ghosts or aliens or astral travelers or time travelers, and some speculate that they might be extra-dimensional inhabitants of another universe. I'd never thought of it like that before. I hadn't either. This is the stuff that really kind of, that's why I thought some of it was really cool. Right. And I'll get that. That part makes more sense, I think, than the time traveler theory, because some of the shadow people are in just one spot. They're tied to a certain building or location, much like some of the hauntings. So a time traveler wouldn't just pop into the same abandoned hallway all the time. Right. But the interdimensional theory. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yeah. So people who see them are often unable to describe in detail the features of these entities, apart from the fact that they look like humans in terms of shape. And occasionally they are reported to have fiery red eyes. Um, Some of them materialize wearing the clothing of a medieval monk. And then others emerge with a fedora on their heads. They're mostly perceived as genderless but male-like. They're often reported as being very, very tall, around seven feet in height. Although they they can configure and transform into different shapes and sizes. Often their limbs, arms, and legs seem quite long, and very occasionally there are fingers that can be seen. They often appear 3D and seem to be made out of some kind of dark substance that appears as like a mass, so very like thick and black, as if they're solid in a way. But they can travel through walls, and they've, they really don't follow any of like the laws of physics that exist in our world. Yeah. Uh, so they often dematerialize very quickly and shape shift into other forms. Like I said, they've been known to shape shift into forms of cats, dogs, rodents, an oddly shaped spider, insect, or other creatures, which I didn't know. And someone actually posted on our Facebook group yesterday saying that they were I don't her and her husband were sitting around doing something and all of a sudden they both see this like dark shadow jump like in into the nail polish that was out on her bed. Oh my gosh. And I was like it, it just came at a weird time. I was like, I wonder if they can kind of like become into other objects that exist in the space yeah. that they're in. Well, honestly, the fact that you just said that they can turn into animals kind of freaks me out because I'll I'll talk about it later, but this one of the experiences I had I was going to just omit this part from the story because I was like, maybe it was just my childlike brain making it up and trying to make it less scary. But there was a dog involved. But now that I know that they can be... Yeah, I know this wasn't in the same house. I'll talk about it later, but... Okay. Yeah. Oh, my god. I didn't know. I was like, I'll just leave that part out because maybe I made that part up. No, but... Like, over time because I was so scared. But now I know that it was real. Oh... It's been suggested that their darkness and their shape is a form of camouflage and that they take on a rough human outline in order to mimic and blend in with us. That And, like, some people think that maybe whatever these entities are don't believe that we are ready to fully understand who or what they are, so they represent themselves in a way that we know how to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. 
which is like that means that they're really smart and manipulative. Right. And they also, depending on, it says like depending on what stage they're in, they might appear in different shapes. What? What stage? Yeah. So there's like. Like how powerful they are? Mm Mm-hmm. So there are beliefs that they kind of go through phases and a lot of it is like sucking energy from people. Mm -hmm. And then they, I guess, can morph into other things. But so there are five categories that shadow people can be categorized into. There are the positive shadows, the negative shadows, the red-eyed shadows, the hooded shadows, and then the hat man. I feel like I've heard a lot of stories and and people's experiences where the shadow people have had hats. Right. And my personal experience, I've never seen that, but I don't know what that means. Well, I don't either, but I did a, I did look into Well, I'll read a, kind of about each of the categories, but the hat man is the most mysterious one. I think people know the least about it, but he is seen a lot. And there's, like, patterns to the way he appears. Ooh. Okay. Yes. So the negative shadows are just characterized by their tendency to lurk and watch humans about go about their business. Mm-hmm. And when people see them, they are swept over by a feeling of extreme terror. So it is, sh- it is said that d- shadow people or the negative energies are often residual energy. That maybe there's a spirit who has passed on to the other side, but there's still a piece of their energy that's left over. And it's trying to grasp more energy and, like, mm-hmm. become more of an entity. So it's, like, a weird idea of, like, your soul might pass over, but there's a glimpse of what was you that it reminds It reminds me of the Bell Witch because that was right. the speculation behind that, that the, the woman, the neighbor that had such a problem with John Bell, she, when she passed her spirit, part of her became its own crazy entity that yeah. tormented the family. And I was watching this video that was talking about humans and our shadows and how it's kind of a psychological thing where we all have a shadow, like literally and metaphorically, we inside of ourselves have a piece of ourselves that are darker and kind of have the the feelings of meanness or hate inside of us that we kind of push back in ourselves, but that's kind of the piece of you that you leave behind, that is left behind and becomes a shadow. That's like, it just reminds me of the riddle, the one that's like, what's, what's something that's a part of you that you can never get rid of? Mm -hmm. Your shadow. Your shadow. Yeah. So it said that they are residual energy that feeds off fear. They stare at you and try to haunt you while slowly sucking energy from you. Which made me think of Monsters, Inc. as a (laughs) lighthearted comparison because, you know, they all go in and scare people. That's how they power Monstertopia or whatever, where they live. Um, I don't know. The monster world? Yeah, well. So the dark shadows that have red or green eyes are said by some to be an evil spirit who have passed and transformed into this dark, ominous form in order to continue their evil and malevolent ways. So they seem like they're more like ghosts and demons in that sense, mm-hmm. and less of a own of own entity kind of becoming something else. Yeah, there are the hooded ones, which are very similar to the negative entities. But um, I'll get into talking about the Hat Man, who is the most curious of them all. 
he appears to many people in various cultures across the globe, and he is seen dressed in an old-time business suit wearing a fedora. He's like a classic shadow figure, but he's different in his appearance and energy and vibe and has more of a pattern, like I said, to how he appears. So people think that the, the way he dresses is a method of intimidation, but also a way of like fitting in, that he's picked a fashion from an era and stuck with it to try to blend in. And it said it could be a form of mind control or manipulation working on our subconscious minds in some way. And like it said that we associate the hat as a universal symbol that portrays status, influence, power, and control. So maybe mm-hmm. it like it it has studied humans and, and picked a hat because it, it shows power. Right, because um, I always think of like the businessmen right or like the spies or the people that worked in the government mm-hmm. yeah and if if you see something wearing a hat you're always going to remember that right whereas if you just see a shadow it's like okay that's that's easily right yeah you're you right it's an identifier it it's mm-hmm. scarier because it's like it's me again oh i just got chills the common belief is that the hat man is an intelligent consciousness from another dimension or time space reality Possibly the future and possibly an alien species, possibly the ones known as the greys, which I didn't look up too much about. And there's all this stuff about the men in black, and I just didn't want to get too conspiracy theory about some of this stuff. But Mm -hmm. uh, if anyone is interested in that, there's a lot of stuff you can look up about the greys and men in black and aliens. He often appears at night. Um... You similar to shadow people, you can't make any make out any distinct facial features, uh, and he's often seemed to be floating above the ground. The phenomena of the Hat Man seems to center around basements, and he usually appears or manifests when there's intense negativity or family dysfunction, and in many um, circumstances, if one person in a household has seen the hat man it's almost guaranteed that other people in that family will see the hat man and it it's a kind of pass through generations of families that if you're if your parents saw the hat man growing up then you most likely as a child will see the hat man growing up and then your kids as children will most likely see the hat man growing up oh my gosh which is why it fed into the the alien species of things because they think that they're aliens studying humans and families. Observing and tracking. A longitudinal mm-hmm. study. Creeping on you. Uh, yes. I really don't like that. It just reminds me of like like paranormal activity or like Duke or the Sandman or something where it's like goes. Or even Insidious. Ooh, the newest Insidious trailer is out, by the way. I have, um, I, because of how much you've been afraid of it, I straight away, I can't look at it. It's, like, less ghosty and more just, like, jumpy, scary, like, creatures popping out. So that's why I was like, oh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it just reminds me of that, of, like, because if you, if you haven't seen Insidious, part of the storyline is that um, what happens to the boy in the first movie or in the second movie? I don't remember. In one of the movies, you find out that what is happening to the boy happened to the father in the past. And it's been, like, these spirits just trying to track and basically possess Mm-hmm. through this 
familial line. Yeah. And he's also, so the hat man is also a entity that he's kind of like a premonition. He mm-hmm. seems to appear. Like an omen? Be, yeah. He, he like, he predicts misfortune. So like if you see him, it's kind of when you're about to have bad luck or experience death in your life. And he's known to want to steal souls. But he also appears, so what makes him super mysterious is that although those things, like being familial, is very similar in a lot of experiences, he also appears during, like when people play with Ouija boards or people who have, who have claimed to have been abducted by aliens have claimed to see the hat man. They think that, that these shadow people in the hat man are collecting data on us. And just examining who we are and how we work. Okay. And so the, there, there are a few theories that they're they're sucking the energy from us to get to become more powerful. And then the other is that they're just observing and trying to learn about us. Personally, I think that they're more demonic. I, I and think less so too. of an observer from another civilization. Right. Unless you call demons and hell a civilization. It's possible. We don't know what it's like down there. Maybe they have movie theaters. <laughs> but the one thing that I thought was really cool was that they believe, it says another paranormal explanation for these entities is that they're interdimensional beings. And some support this theory strongly because theoretical physicists believe the laws of physics allow for other dimensions to exist and for beings to cross over. So that, like, because they're crossing over, they can't manifest in in full physical shape, but they can mm-hmm. manifest in, like, in a form that appears as, like, a shadow person. But I agree with you. I think I think that's one thing to say that, and maybe some of them are, but it if they're primarily felt with these negative feelings and their omens to bad mm-hmm. to bad things, I just why would interdimensional travelers be doing that? Unless they know the future and like know what's going to happen and are there to warn you and tell you. Yeah, that's like super conspiracy theory almost. I know. But it's or just, just so like unexplained mysteries. Right. I love all that stuff, though. I mean, I you and me I too. both, like Bigfoot, yeah. aliens, everything. We talk yeah. about everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, Which I'm is- from Vermont, and in our lake, we have basically the our version of the Loch Ness Monster, <gasps> which is real, but that's another podcast. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> well, I'll say, lastly, that you can protect yourself from these shadow people, and there are many different ways you can do it. And it said that you need to just develop your spiritual strength and as a counter-resistance, um, you can call upon and invoke protective powers of God or religious uh, entities, spirits. Yeah, um, so like praying. Praying or say saying, like, I invoke the power of God, you know. Um, then there's... The Archangel Michael prayer of protection, which we can post online if people want to see it in order to just know 
in the back, have it in their back pocket in case they uh, see some shadows. Be very vocal. Don't let them like feed off your fear. Be strong in who you are and like have power or have, or have feelings of happiness and protection and um, sage to the area. And if you need to, seek an expert. Use protective crystals. Uh, learn other psychic protection tools and techniques like the wrapping yourself in silk. Mm-hmm. Uh, clear energy of home. Clear the energy of your home by clearing clutter. Apparently, clutter draws dark entities, which I didn't know. Feng Shui. They've got yeah. more spots to hide, and the energy is off. Maybe mm-hmm. in in your room. I mean, if you call upon Seth from the Seth material, he did give people advice on rearranging furniture for better energy in their rooms. So, Wow. (laughs) Maybe break out the Ouija board and ask Seth to come. Or just read the book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Probably don't take that advice. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I also thought it was interesting. The last thing I'll say is that the way that the science, um, people of science and psychology explain the sightings of shadow people is through pareidolia, which we talked about one of the first episodes, which is when your mind tricks yourself into thinking it sees human shapes just because that's something Mm -hmm. we recognize. And there's, um, there's a psychological condition that, that occurs before you in the state of consciousness and sleep before you fall asleep that, could be the reason for it and the last thing that a lot of people who are methamphetamine addicts experience shadow people after prolonged periods of sleep deprivation which is why a lot of scientists and psychologists discredit shadow people because they feel like it's something that is induced by drugs chemical imbalance deprivation yes Mm. okay yeah no i like, I, I understand that, that, like, your mind, because I've woken up in the middle of the night before, too, and been like, oh, my God, there's something in my room, and stared at it long enough that my eyes adjusted, and I'm like, oh, it's just my shoe rack or something. But, like, especially if you're in such a vulnerable state, such as sleeping, and you wake up and you think you see something, I think your body just, like, you recognize something, that's what it is, your body immediately kicks into fight or flight, your fear is just, like, oh my gosh, overwhelming you. So I understand that part. And like, there's all that debate about sleep paralysis and you know how I feel about sleep paralysis. I think it's real. It's real. It's I 100% believe it's real. Yeah, it is. And I, I believe shadow people are too. I think with anything, if there are enough people having these experiences and people who, who can draw these things that they see and, I don't think everyone in the world is crazy, so... No. And, okay, so if there are a ton of... Out of all of the accounts that have happened, quite possibly a number of them can be explained away. It may just be your brain tricking yourself into thinking it's something or your fear or whatever it may be. But there are ones that cannot be explained, such as when things move other Mm -hmm. things. Or when the shadow's wearing a hat. Or when the shadow touches you or is caught on film like Mm -hmm. a video that was posted in our private Facebook group back in the day like a few weeks back more than a few weeks back of that woman who was filming her dogs and in Mm -hmm. the background you see a shadow person walk from one room to another Mm -hmm. so 
I think, sure, you can explain some of them, but you can't explain all of them. No. And that's my scientific take. (laughs) Well, I have an example. I have a few examples which would probably discredit the scientists that are theorizing that it's completely a trick of the mind. Well, tell me. This is actually, I went, I went back, one of our episodes, one of our earlier episodes, we did con on tape where we focused Mm -hmm. on ghosts that had actually been captured on film or in photographs. And you had talked about Mary Lee, who was from the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Mm -hmm. So I chose to focus on the Waverly Hills Sanatorium and revisit that place. It's, it's in, apparently one of the most haunted places in the U.S. And in the world my, is what and, I read. Oh, in the world. Mm-hmm. My coworker is from <laughs> Kentucky, and she said that in Kentucky it's it, it's a legend and people go to it all the time. So we should go. No, I why? won't. You'll you'll know why after I tell my okay. story. Okay. So to revisit, because you did touch on some of the background when we Mm -hmm. did the Caught on Tape episode, but to revisit the background, if you don't want to go back to that episode, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium is located in Louisville, Kentucky, and it opened in 1910 for tuberculosis patients. It originally was only able to house about 40 patients, but there were so many people with TB because there was a huge outbreak back then. So they added more rooms, added more space, and were able to treat about 500 patients. There is a tunnel underneath that served as a way for personnel to, like, get around and to remove bodies. So it was, like, the body chute. And this tunnel earned itself the name the Death Tunnel. And there is a bunch of unexplained activity that happens down there. Um, And in 1961, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium was renamed Woodhaven Geriatrics Hospital. But some people speculate that the name was just given to cover up what was actually happening and that it was an insane asylum. But it was shut down in 1981 due to reports of patient abuse, and it's been shut down ever since. There's a couple that owns it, and they do run, like, tours, especially during Halloween, and they're trying to get money to eventually restore the property. But it remains abandoned, except for the tours, and... It's estimated that there are over 8,000 people who died on the grounds. 8,000? Eight, over 8,000. I mean, it was, it was a hospital during an epidemic. I know. So, so many people were passing away. And one of the things that you had mentioned um, when we did the Caught on Tape ep- episode is that they, the people patients who were going into the hospital who had TB, if they had children and couldn't care for their children, they were bringing their children there and their children would stay there. And TB is, you catch it through like the air, like it's extremely contagious. And so then the children, so it was basically making more people sick almost. So Mm. the numbers were pretty high. Okay. But now onto the hauntings. So there's plenty of spiritual activity here. And it's known as one of the most haunted places in the U.S., if not the world, and possibly one of the scariest places in the world. Oh my gosh. But I'm not going to focus that much on all the little hauntings. I shouldn't say little hauntings, like they're less than something else, but (laughs) all of the other hauntings that are just probably spirits or residual energy and children or old patients that were there. But there, 
they're known for their shadow people. So shadow people they're known alert. for to be known for your shadow people. It's famous for shadow people. Like Waverly Hills Sanatorium, yes, there are so many spirits that walk around, a child playing with a ball, like all this stuff, but people go there to see the shadow people. And there's also an entity referred to as the creeper. I know it's the scariest name and it should be because this thing is terrifying. The shadow people here are unlike shadow figures reported elsewhere because they roam freely around the building and on the grounds outside without too much concern for being seen. They, people have captured many photos of the shadow people walking around on the property and visitors have reported seeing solid black figures walk by them, turn, look at them, and then disappear or like turn into a room. So they so are very kind of like, conscious of you being there and not it's really their, caring. It's their stomping grounds. They're like, this is welcome to my territory. Right. They just walk on past you. They're like, what's up? And they keep going. People who hold out flashlights will see shadow people cut through the light of the flashlight in front of them. And oh my gosh. Yeah, it's even if there are multiple people like in the room, you'll still see shadow people like walking around and they take notice of you. So it's quite terrifying. There are different types of hauntings out there in the world and researchers and investigators believe that the type of haunting that is in Waverly Hills Sanatorium is known as an intelligent haunting, which is where spirits interact with, with the living and show awareness of their situation and surroundings. They also believe that due to the sheer number of people who lost their lives there, that there are residual hauntings as well. So spirits roam the halls and grounds and go about their daily activities as if they were still alive. So two types of hauntings, basically, in this place. Oh, that's crazy. Visitors Can I say something? In, yeah. So when I was reading about shadow people, it said that shadow entities and shadow people feed off of other ghosts as well. Are you yes. going to say this? Okay. I that's Okay. Sorry. Visitors and investigators also speculate as to why there are so many shadow people there. And one theory, this is exactly <laughs> what you just said. I'm reading your mind. It's a disturbing one, is that it's a feeding ground, so to speak, for shadow people. So many, many people lost their lives there. There are a ton of souls that remain there. And at the time that it was a hospital, people were dying. So they could feed on these sick people yeah. and these diminishing energies and take it from them, capture their souls. And there's Soul still suckers. so many souls there. So yeah, they, they remain there. So that's why it's like this attraction it's like <gasps> hotel for oh my shadow people. People have reported doppelgangers being there, which like really freaked me out and irked me because seeing a doppelganger is supposed to be like a bad omen. And yeah. people, visitors and investigators who walk around see their own doppelgangers. <gasps> oh. So it's supposedly spirits who are able to mimic other people, living people's identities. And, like, you will see yourself or you'll see maybe one of your friends. It's like, it's like It Follows, that movie. It Follows. Yeah. It's just like that. Um, but it goes but yeah, into so the transfiguration of shadow people, like how they are able to mimic different shapes and objects. It's like you're walking down the hall yeah. and you see yourself. But 
a lot of people have said that when they see their doppelgangers or a doppelganger, the, the doppelganger's eyes are hollow and black. Mm. And like, that's one of the tells that it's the spirit. And Ghost Adventures went to the sanatorium and they caught a ton of EVPs while they were there. And one of the guys, one of their people in the investigative group, Aaron Goodwin, he saw the doppelganger of Nick Groff, who's another one of the investigators on the show that was there. So he witnessed one of the doppelgangers while he was there. Oh, that's weird. It's super crazy. Okay, but quite possibly the worst thing that happens there is the creature that doesn't seem to fit the normal description of a shadow person called the creeper. It is rarely seen, but when it is, it crawls along the floors It crawls up the walls and onto the ceiling upside down and crawls on the ceiling. People who see it are filled with dread and it's usually a sign of a bad omen that something's going to happen and there is no explanation for what the creeper is. They don't know, like, is it a demonic entity? Is it an ancient spirit? Is there an evil... Was it an evil human maybe that turned into, in the afterlife, part of them? came off and became this like monstrous entity themselves they have no idea but investigators have captured evps of other spirits in the sanatorium warning them to get out of the area if the creeper is coming or if it's near wait that's like the the sally house where the little girl's like he's making me do it it's like giving warning to the living that something bad is happening and to to and they're probably scared of it too Mm mm-hmm So I'm going to tell you one of the theories behind what the creeper is. Okay. So in 1967, this guy, I think his name was Harold Wood. I was having a hard time, like, I saw the story posted everywhere and in a bunch of videos, but I was having a hard time, like, seeing who the story was from. But I think it's Harold Wood. So if it's not, sorry, but that's what I got. (laughs) In 1967, Harold Wood had been working part-time on the fourth floor of the sanatorium as a nurse's aide. And a young boy named Richard was admitted to the sanatorium, and that's when things started happening. As soon as the boy stepped onto the property, all the crows on the property began squawking and flying around like crazy, and more crows were coming onto the property from elsewhere, and more animals were coming, like, from the woods. What? closer to the sanatorium so he like attracted he like brought with him this like gang of animals it's like the creepy cinderella yeah pretty much um but actually i feel very bad for this boy it turns out okay so one of harold's duties harold the guy that worked there was to take an id picture so he brought richard into the office and he took his id picture and he remembers how scared richard was And, like, Mm -hmm. so terrified, this little boy that's alone, and how polite he was as well. And he noted that Richard seemed to be very nervous around men, and he wouldn't engage with men unless he was asked a question, and he tried to avoid eye contact with them, but he was still very polite. And Harold said that he even felt uncomfortable making eye contact with Richard, because Richard's presence just was so strong, and he felt like when he made eye contact, Richard knew something about him and was, like, looking into him. So he didn't quite, like... Um, looking at Richard either. My leg hair just grew again. On August 23rd, 1967, so not long after Richard came to the sanatorium, he was wheeled into treatment for electroshock therapy. 
dun, dun, dun. The doctors who were performing it upped the voltage to a point that was unsafe for someone Richard's size. And when they shocked Richard, he screamed so loud and spit his mouth guard out, obviously, because he's in extreme pain and basically being killed by these doctors. And the doctor freaked out. He slapped Richard and told him basically to behave and not to, like, give them trouble while they're trying to treat him. Richard became enraged. And Harold, since he was a nurse's aide, he was in there because there were a few doctors. There were quite a few nurses and himself and some other helping staff. And he said that Richard's eyes turned into, like, something else and his face went red. And he started sweating profusely and his veins began pulsating, which I understand sounds very scary. But also, I've never seen someone be shocked. So maybe that's just, like, part of it. how you react. Yeah, I don't know. But still, so that's what happened. And then they strapped Richard down. He started crying for his mom and his dad and for God to help him. And they shocked him again. And he soiled himself. He threw up. He began to choke on his own vomit. And one of the nurses was trying to step in to help him. And then Harold himself said that he was so scared and he wanted to call the police. But the doctor was like, nope, one more shock. So just as the doctor is about to shock Richard again, Richard, again, the radiator started to cling unnaturally. They said it sounded like a hammer was being, like, slammed against the radiator. And crows started flying to the window. And equipment was breaking, beakers and and glass, and everything was flying off the shelves and breaking. And then a black haze came and filled the room. And along with it came the smell of burning flesh and sulfur. And the thing, the black haze, turned into a solid black mist basically like a nine-foot-tall shadow person. And in a very deep, they said unnatural, like unworldly voice, the thing told them to get out and to leave Richard alone. And so they did. And Harold believes that the entity was trying to protect Richard from its abusers because clearly he had been afraid of men before and probably had a world of hurt in his childhood. So this thing somehow... Whether it was evil or or not, maybe it was attached to him to protect him. Maybe it was attached to him because he was weaker and, like, was easy to prey on. But also, since all the animals were coming towards him, I feel like it was maybe more of a protective thing. Wait, can I tell you the first thing I thought of when you said that? It makes me think that he was praying for God... And God wasn't helping him, and he was like, I'll do anything to make this stop. And this dark entity maybe, like, was like, I'll help you, but, like, you're basically giving your soul to the devil. Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know, because none of the reports say whether Richard lived or died after what his life was like. (gasps) Really? Yeah, I can't find it. Like, there are some that speculate, and some people report that he did live and he left, and others are like, oh, I thought he died along with all these other people in these reports. So I don't know, because I don't know if those things are being, like, made up or... Like, there's no one answer, so... But that's almost scarier that the records of this place are so unreliable and you can't... Yeah, I know. Well, it was... It was an older time. They weren't even really doing autopsies, like, at this place. And they had so many people coming in and out, so many people sick. It's like all those places that we've talked about where, like, there's people buried in unmarked graves. Like, they were just so overwhelmed and didn't have enough staff. And so, yeah, the records are really shoddy. But anyway, whatever this thing was, it came, it protected Harold. And that is believed to be, that's one of the theories of how 
the creeper was born. And apparently a lot of the people or many of the people who were in that room that day when Richard was being shocked, the ones who were causing direct harm to Richard or not wanting to help him, so not the nurse or not Harold who wanted to call the police, all of those that were just watching it happen and had no inclination of offering a helping hand, they did not fare well after seeing the creeper. So they believe that this was the birth of the creeper and it stayed in the sanatorium and now creeps along the walls and everything. And there were also a couple other reports saying that like Richard had been kind of bullied while he was in the sanatorium as well, especially by men. They were like creepy, trying to be creepy towards him or bullying him or saying stuff to him because he was kind of odd. People thought he was odd. So he was a target. Um, And I guess there was this one particular person there that was really trying to torment Richard and the creeper came and appeared to him and the man went crazy and had to be put in a straitjacket and everything. Oh my gosh. So there's all these stories about Richard. You can look him up. He's known as Shadow Eyes. That's his nickname given to him at the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Uh, But yeah, the creeper exists. That is one of the theories behind him. And there are a whole host of shadow people, shadow figures that roam the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. You were right. Let's not go. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to because I don't want to see the creeper or the shadow people. No. I want neither. Which I should just quickly tell my shadow people. Yeah, I really want to experience. Okay. So some people have already heard this story because I did call into the Real Ghost Stories online podcast where you just like call a voicemail and tell a story and then they might play it on their podcast. So those of you who recognized my voice, that was my story. But the story goes, and maybe I'll give a little bit more detail here. When I was five, we moved to Vermont. So I'm like, oh, I'm from Vermont. But before then, we were living in New Hampshire. You're from Vermont? (laughs) I only tell everyone. (laughs) But before we were living in New Hampshire, and we had a house that was in Littleton, New Hampshire. And in that house, so you walk in the mudroom, and then it was open. There was like one big long shot from the mudroom through the kitchen and then to basically like the family room playroom because I was young. I was like four. My brother was a newborn at the time. Um, So you could see directly from one end of the house to the other end of the house in this particular area of our home. And when I, this happened multiple times, this is not just one occurrence in this house, multiple times while I was in the family room I would feel that I was being watched and I would look over to the mudroom. So like 30 feet or so away down mm-hmm. to the mudroom and I would see sh- like multiple shadows on the walls and like walking around the mudroom. And they all seemed to be kind of like doing their own thing. But as soon as I would get too scared and would want to call for my mom, they'd all focus on me. So I was absolutely terrified of them. I would literally just like try to melt into the couch or the floor or wherever I was sitting. Like, they don't see me. They don't see me. Like, just if you don't move and if you're completely still, they will not detect that you're here. So I was terrified. I'm four years old. This happened multiple times. But I told my mom, I, I always called them the shadow family because there were multiple of them. 
And on a few instances, I did see like a, a dog with them. But I, you would think as a child, if you saw a dog, you were like, oh, they're happy ghosts. But like, they gave me such a sense of fear and unease. I was like crippled with fear when I would see them. And they would only ever appear when I was the only one on the first floor. So if my mom like went up to switch out the laundry or whatever on the second floor, I would see them. But it was only when I was alone on the first floor. They target children. And I... I was so, so incredibly terrified of them, and I only ever saw them in the mudroom, and the mudroom is where our guest bathroom was, and I would not go to the bathroom on the first floor without being escorted. Like, my mom or my dad would have to walk me to the bathroom, and there was one time where my mom was, like, washing dishes, and I'm four, and I'm like, you have to bring me to the bathroom. I have to go. And she was like, I can't right now. Like, just go on your own. You're fine. Everything's fine. It's daytime. I'm downstairs. And I peed right there on the kitchen floor because I refused to go. I was way too scared. I literally peed in front of my mom on the kitchen floor to avoid (laughs) going 10 feet over to the bathroom by myself where the shadow people live. instead of going to the bathroom, you just acted like a little possessed child. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's, if you're that scared, that's terrifying. And then my only other experience happened. So we left that house when I was five and we moved to Vermont. And I never saw those shadow figures again. But when I was, I think I was high school age, maybe middle school age. I don't know. In between the ages of like 12 and 15. I can't remember exactly when it was. I was showering and I could sense something. So this one I didn't see directly with my eyes, but I could feel its presence and what it looked Mm -hmm. like. And it was a short, like maybe like four, four foot five, maybe short figure that was standing in the shower with me. And I turned around in the shower and I just said, leave or I'll make you. And it disappeared. He was a shadow person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my brother, to add another story, my oh my brother... Gosh has woken up a few different times. He's 21, so, like, he doesn't live in the house. He's in college now. But when he had lived at home, and actually one of the times that he came home, I think it was while, maybe while he was in college, it was one of the summers that he came home, um, there's been a few instances where he's woken up in his bedroom and seen, like, a few shadow people in there walking in circles. He said that he's heard them, like, making noise and, like, murmuring to each other. And he was absolutely terrified. So whenever that happens, my family will have like a a pot with sand and we burn white copal resin. And that seems to work to get it out. Because white copal, that incense is used for like positive, loving energy, peaceful energies in the home. So when we do the sage stick like all the time, but sometimes if it doesn't work and these shadow people appear, these shadow figures... We have gotten them out with some white copal. Just you as and I grew advice. Up, you and I grew up in very different families. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So those are my two experiences and then my brother's few sightings as well. But, yeah. Shadow people are so interesting. It's like... The fact that they're so similar to demonic entities, but yet so different and have such a different effect and are, I think, more 
I might be wrong, but I think they're more prevalent than demonic beings are. Oh, I think so, for sure. I think that they are a form of demonic being. I don't think they're a demon or the devil, but I think that they're another evil entity, like, like almost like what you were saying, there are certain levels that they're probably maybe the more prevalent, like the population of evil, because there's so many of them. People report them very frequently. All the time. Yeah. Wow. Well, should, should we, we read? Yeah, let's go on to some of the listener stories. Speaking of a ton of people who have experiences with shadow people, we've gotten a lot of emails from mm-hmm. people. So, so we'll just read a couple, but don't yeah. forget, we're doing encounters bi-monthly. So for those episodes, we do only read listener stories. So if your shadow person story is not being read today, it doesn't mean it won't be read. Yeah. We'll get to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is from Zoe, and she kind of sent a bunch of stories, but I'll read the one that's about the shadow person. She says, hi, ladies. First off, I wanted to say I love, 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 love the show. It's been a great addition to my spooky podcast lineup. Now on with the stories. Fair warning, they get kind of long. I'm a little more than wordy. That's okay. (laughs) We like words. I've always been at least kind of aware of ghosts, even if it's just a vague tingling down my back or a shape on the edge of my periphery. I sometimes half joke that I must be haunted since things always seem to find their way to me. For the most part, they don't worry me much at all, with one main exception. When I was growing up, I went between my mom's house during the week and my dad's house on the weekend, which was fine. I liked getting to relax in my dad's house after my homework was done as I was growing up. However, one place in our small one-story house was far from relaxing. And unfortunately, (gasps) that place was my bedroom. Oh, no. Anytime I went into my room after dark, I felt like someone was watching me, even if the shades were totally drawn. Our lot backed onto a parking lot, and the house next door sat farther up, so all I could see out my window was their small black porch. There was no way anyone could have been watching me without me seeing them. And it didn't really change from day to day. If I was there after dark, I felt cold and anxious, but not during the day. It got to the point where I refused to sleep in my room, preferring instead to sleep on the couch or in my dad's bed if he fell asleep in my living room. When I was 10, my dad's girlfriend moved in and started to insist that I sleep in my own room. Very reluctantly, I went to sleep, but only if she or my dad went across the room to turn on the paper lantern that hung over my bed and served as my only artificial light source in the room. Because I was always, I would always read before bed. I used to leave the light on when I fell asleep because if the light was on, I wasn't scared. A few times, I would wake up in the middle of the night and the light would be off. Probably my dad or his girlfriend had come in and turned it off before they went to bed. These were always my least favorite nights, and I would hide under the blankets and quilts layered on my bed, regardless of the heat, in that childish conviction that if I was hidden, whatever it was couldn't get to me. One night, I woke up with the light off and failed to hide quickly enough. I was lying on my side, facing the window, and suddenly, the window I was looking at seemed like it was getting darker, (sighs) while the other windows stayed the same. Eventually, the darkness condensed into the shape of a man in a tall hat. 
I couldn't see the details of his face except for bright red eyes. I could blink but struggled to get control of my arms to duck under my blankets for a little while. Finally, I was able to hide and I slowly felt the fear that had overwhelmed me dissipate. In the morning, I tried to explain what had happened to my dad and his girlfriend and why I didn't want to sleep in my room anymore. They said it was probably just a dream. I didn't think so, but I didn't argue and kept sleeping in my room. Always being sure that the light was on when I went to sleep until my dad's girlfriend moved out and I went back to sleeping in the living room or in my dad's bedroom. A number of years later, after I had stopped sending as much time, my gosh, (laughs) a number of years later, after I had stopped spending as much time at my dad's house, I was talking about the incident with a few of my friends and they told me that I should look up the hat man next time I was online. Next time I was at the computer, I looked it up and found a bunch of stories so similar to mine that it gave me chills. They all seemed to happen when the tellers were children, like I was when I saw him. I've seen him and heard other entities or spirits before and since my my experience with the hat man, but none have had the same kind of lead up or have made made me feel the same paralyzing fear the hat man did. Wow. Best Zoe. That's one way to resent your dad's new girlfriend. (laughs) That's so terrifying. And I wonder, too, if, like, someone actually did turn off the light or if it went out on its own. Right. Well, what I also wonder now after reading about the hat man and how they usually follow familial people and, like, Mm -hmm. go through generations... I wonder if the dad just didn't want to acknowledge or had blocked out memories of seeing the hat man. Because she told him the story and he was like, oh, it was probably just a bad dream. But I wonder if deep down it triggered something and he just didn't want to acknowledge it. Because I feel like a lot of people who have experienced ghosts and their children do, they just they try to cheer the child up by saying, oh, it was nothing. Don't worry about right. it. Right. Because that's also maybe a protection thing. It's like if you... If you teach your child to think it's nothing, maybe they won't be scared and then there won't be any energy to prey on. Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe it will make your child feel isolated and crazy, which is what my mom thought. So that's why she always, I mean, in the beginning, she was kind of like, her and my dad were like, oh, don't worry, ghosts aren't real. But then after me and my brother were like, yeah, they are. They're like, okay, fine, they are. (laughs) But yeah, my God, that's terrifying. And to only be 10 years old. Like, I wouldn't even, like, she must have been so scared of her room to be able to sleep in the living room alone because I don't like sleeping alone in a room that isn't my bedroom. You know, it's just like, you just feel, like, different or more exposed. Because it's a new surrounding that you just haven't gotten. Yeah, and there aren't any doors to close. Like, you can... There are thing like something can come from a different room mm-hmm. quickly and you wouldn't hear it. Right. Not to scare anyone that like sleeps in their living room <laughs> <laughs> listening to this. Oh. Wow. Okay. Well, I have one. Um, okay. This is from Barbara. She said, hi, Corinne and Sabrina. Love the podcast. I just joined the Facebook group. So yay. <laughs> Okay, here's my haunted house story. I'm from Dallas, Texas, and when I was in fifth grade in 1990, we moved into a house that was built in 1958 that is in a neighborhood called Old Lake Highlands. 
Uh, it is not far from White Rock Lake, which has many ghost stories attributed to it, and the most famous being the Lady of the Lake. So look it up. Oh, we will. It's probably a lady in white. So I have stories of crazy, freaky, scary stuff that I went through or witnessed attending my elementary school there, which was only a short walk to my house. The whole area just felt pretty active, if you know what I mean. We do. Yeah. Unfortunately so. <laughs> From as early as I can remember us living in the house, I would always see shadow figures out of the corner of my eye inside the house. I always felt like I was being watched and was not alone. I never felt in danger. However, I actually was very curious and interested in in what was going on. When I was 16, I became pregnant and ended up moving out with my daughter's father at the time into this house with the family. However, we all three moved back into my parents' house when my daughter was just shy of turning one. That seemed to be when stronger experiences started happening to me, and I wondered if it had anything to do with my daughter being there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. An innocent soul. So one night, she was asleep in my bedroom in her crib, and it was around 11 p.m. Everyone else in the house was sleeping, but I was up in the living room watching TV alone, waiting for my daughter's father to return home from work. I was flipping through channels, and back then in 1997, when you had cable and not just regular TV flipping the channels, some with shows on and then others with no noise and nothing, and the TV would be a blue blue screen and it would be silent until you reached another actual working channel. So I was flipping, trying to find something good on, and when I flipped to one of the silent blue screen channels, I heard the loudest, scariest, guttural growl that is unlike anything that I'd ever heard before. It sounded unnatural and not from an animal. I froze, and I couldn't move. It sounded like it was in the room with me. (laughs) She said, girls, this makes my skin crawl now that I'm just telling it again, because I still carry this sound with me in that terrified feeling. So when I could move, I ran to my bedroom and checked on my daughter. She was sound asleep. Then, yes, I went to my parents' room and woke up my father, lol. Hey, I was only 17 and I was scared to death. (laughs) He heard nothing. In fact, no one did. It was only me. So a few months later, my older brother moved back into my parents' house. He was around 23 years old or so, and it was just him, my daughter, and I in the house one night. Now, by this time, my daughter was walking all over the place in the house and was always laughing and playing on her own. It was kind of freaky, but also cute. She would run up the hallway and laugh and then run back and sit and play. And to me and my brother, it felt like she was playing with someone else. On this particular evening, my brother did not know it at the time, but I had already put my daughter to bed and was back in the living room watching TV. Guess I was a bit of a couch potato then, wasn't I? (laughs) But I had a toddler, so there you go. He was in his room with the door open, sitting on the floor, talking on the phone. I heard him say something out loud, not sure if he was talking to me or what, but then he came into the living room and looked at me and asked, where is Aviana, my daughter's name? And I said, in bed. She's been asleep for a while now. His face turned white. He left the room and came back in and told me to leave the house. Oh my gosh. I have chills. I haven't actually read this email. Usually I read them before. This is the one I read. I haven't read this one. So I'm learning as we go. Okay. (laughs) Okay. His face turned white. He left the room and he came back and he told me to leave the house. He was a little rattled to say the least. He said he was talking on the phone and looking into the door hallway from where he was on the floor in his room and saw a baby crawling down the hallway. 
So when I had heard him say something out loud from his room, he was talking to, or thought he was talking to, my daughter crawling down the hallway. We have a, a crawling theme in this episode. I know. So he got up and he looked as the baby crawled straight into my parents' room, which was at the end of the hallway, but when we went in there, no baby. He lost his shit. So since then, I believe that that is whom my daughter was playing with all those times. Now this house had many other incidents that were relevant to my brothers. My oldest brother has a few more experiences that happened to him and I didn't find out about them until a few years ago that my youngest brother had experiences as well. He often woke up to a shadow man standing in his doorway looking at him. One time in the middle of the night, my older brother seemed to have been possessed and walked into my room, pushed me out of bed as I was sleeping, like literally pushed me completely out of the bed to where I fell on the ground, and then he laid down in my bed. He had never slept walk before, and it was strange. It took my father a while to get him to wake up and come to his senses. Oh my gosh. So there are a couple stories from my haunted house. And no, my parents would never admit that there was anything going on with the house, but we were pretty sure my dad is just deciding to stay quiet. Your theory, Sabrina. Hope you girls enjoyed my story. Again, love the podcast. Podcast? Whoa, where's my accent coming from? Where are you from? I don't know. I'm being possessed. Vermont. (laughs) Again, love the podcast. Barbara. Wow. That is so scary i can't even imagine seeing like a child or just anything crawling is is just irks me the wrong way yeah it makes me very scared (laughs) oh wait i had an idea i think i texted you to this but i don't know if you responded to it but what if we started a segment called the scaredy pants segment and you definitely didn't tell me this I totally texted you this. Oh, maybe I didn't read it. I'm bad with my phone. But we should start a segment called the Scaredy Pants segment. And at the end of every episode, we say what we're scared of, but we say a way to deal with our fear. Oh, wow. This is like therapy. Yeah. Okay. Um, does it have to be like paranormal fear? No, or like it what could be type? anything. Okay. Well, you start. Should we start it now? Are we doing it now? Yeah, I think we should start it now. So, like, for me, this week, what I'm scared of is that the second I go on hiatus for winter break, I'm going to get sick. Oh, so then you don't get to enjoy your your break. Yeah. Just because I've been, like, go, 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 and I had an emotional breakdown in my dream a few weeks ago, (laughs) or last week, and uh, I think my body is ready to shut down a little bit. But so what are you going to do to cope with that, Sabrina? Um, I'm going to drink a lot of wine and eat chocolate and have a good cry. Oh, that's great. That's a good. <laughs> sometimes solution. sometimes crying is therapeutic and you need to do it. I agree. I cry all the time, but I almost never cry for myself. I just cry for the commercials on TV and the plot lines <laughs> of the characters that I'm watching. <laughs> Well, then I think that's how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to start watching all of the, like, ASPCA commercials and... Yeah. In the arms of the angel, fly away. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You're such a good singer. They should have put me in the commercials. (laughs) Holding the pets. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have been able. I would have cried while I was singing the track. 
It's so sad. But what am I scared of? Yeah, what are you scared of? Um, well, something that I think about, like, constantly is I'm about a year away from graduating my grad school program, which, yeah, that's exciting, but I'm also scared that there's not going to be a job for me. And what are you going to do? Just deal with it. (laughs) Bottle (laughs) it all up until I forget. (laughs) Um, Until you have emotional breakdowns in your dreams. I just keep telling myself that it's okay to not get the perfect job in the beginning because you have to gain experience and you have to work your way up and to, instead of looking for the perfect job, maybe look for the perfect company that has opportunities that I'd be interested in in the future. Right. Yeah. And also I think with all of this is just staying positive and realizing that, you know, these things aren't the end of the world. And I think as long as you're putting positive belief in yourself, you'll, You'll find something that's good for you. And I think every journey and everything we go through in life is worth it. And it teaches you something and it's meant to be. Exactly. What inspirational words from our ghostess Sabrina. I love it. The ghostess. (laughs) Ghostess Sabrina and ghostess Corinne. And I will say too, this maybe isn't exactly like a therapy session anymore. But um (laughs) There have been people who have reached out to us or just made comments about feeling a bit open and having things happen to them. And So just to remember, sage your house. Don't be too, too open if you feel like you're in harm. Because people do ask us for advice on that. But, I mean, we're not experts. I think that you just have to really yeah. do, like, almost energy work. I don't know how to really describe it. But to, to not feed into the fear and yeah. to try to stay, stay positive. positive. So if your house is haunted and you want to sage, when in doubt, uh, move out, buy a new house. <laughs> I like that. If sage doesn't work, just move out. When in doubt, move out. <laughs> <laughs> that, is our, that is our motto. Wait, we I should make that. that into a shirt. <laughs> yeah. When in doubt, move out. When in doubt, move out. Okay. Well, guys... Thanks. You know the drill. Back again. Yeah. So follow us on our social media. You know the drill. We say it every week. Twitter, Uh, Instagram, Facebook Facebook. page, private Facebook group, rate, Mm -hmm. review, subscribe on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're working on getting on iHeartRadio. We're on a bunch Mm -hmm. of other things. Tell your friends. Tell your family. What better Christmas present than sharing the love of ghosts with people you love? Right. You, do you have a four-hour car drive to a relative's house? Well, just put us on. Make everyone scared. We're less scary than relatives. We will see you on the other side.